everybody, Scott Burnside, back for another edition of Two Man Advantage, the podcast, and Pierre Lebrun in Toronto. I feel like I can reach out and touch you, my friend, and and you know, every week I say the same thing. I this is a really important time for me. I I feel connected, not just to you, but to the world when we do this podcast. So how are, how are you doing? Yeah, but no touching anymore, buddy. Yeah, well, that's feet. what I'm saying. I, I just reached out. It's like an elbow yeah. bunk. Yeah. And so let's let's move on. Today, I'm so excited about our guest today because Steve Mayer, the league's, the NHL's chief content officer and, because you wrote this for me, events guru. I love that. I love to get a guru into the, into the intro. But Steve Mayer is joining us. And Steve, we're going to talk about uh, what you've been doing since the pause in the NHL. But I have this image of you kind of like... The Wizard of Oz, you know, behind the curtain and your hands on like a hundred different levers trying to keep the NHL in some form of movement while we while we await the, you know, the the resolution to whatever's going to happen with the pause. It, it, is that fair? Do you feel like that? Do you sort of like Wizard of Ozian doing well, your thing? First of all, thank you for having me. Second of all, I'm honored. My, my introduction said I was a guru and a wizard. Uh, I am. I am <laughs> you got it going. <laughs> I am neither. I am neither. Listen, uh, you, you're only as good as your team. And uh, we've got an amazing team at the NHL. I might pull a few levers, but in the end of the day, uh, there's a lot of great people who have some great minds, and we're, we're yeah, the levers, uh, the machine is moving, and it's moving forward, and it has, uh, you know, we never really stopped. Uh, you know, the league may have stopped, the games may have stopped, but we never stopped, and we continue to sort of plan and think about, you know, what's the the next wave of what we're going to end up doing, but uh, you know. Uh, I thank you. That is a, that's a good way to start. I like it. <laughs> well, and talk about one of the great challenges of your career, I, I would imagine, in trying to direct uh, a team to come up with content when when your main product is is not going right. Uh, the pause comes, and there are no games for the foreseeable future, and the task ahead. I mean, explain that to me in that moment. Yeah. I mean, listen, we've said this a, a lot and, uh, and Pierre, you hit it. I mean, this is one of those moments where I think we're going to look back at it and say, wow. Uh, and I also think we're going to be really proud of what we've been able to accomplish, uh, during this time. Uh, you know, we, we had some forethought. We, we actually, uh, saw this potentially coming, and, you know, when you talk about the team and the levers and, and, and making the magic, you know, the only way you make the magic is uh, by putting people in a position to succeed. And what we did pretty immediately was we, we manned all of our producers and our editors and those who, who really do the work. Um, we manned them with, you know, with equipment and machinery and editing, fo- you know, potential at home. Uh, we did everything from take their internet from here to way up here, uh, you know, bought them all the best equipment. And, and then we connected them to our office and our servers and access to the footage that we would normally have uh, throughout the season. And so we knew that we weren't going to miss too much of a beat. Listen, it's slower than if you were in a studio or a facility that this is what that studio and facility does. 
but we knew that we could do this and get us all up and running pretty quickly. And then we also looked at, you know, technology that now we're seeing all the time. I, I tell you, we were way ahead of the curve with being able to produce programming right away uh, that involved, you know, Zoom calls or that technology and put it into what looks like a TV show. And uh, and we were up and running. So, you know, we 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 had to be respectful of what was going on in the world, but we knew that once we got the green light from our fans, they wanted to see something more than just messaging, we were ready to go. Steve, I'm curious. I mean, I was in on that first, the very first Zoom call uh, with the players, which I'm guessing was probably a couple of weeks after the pause because, you know, I mean, listen, people had to figure out, you know, where they were at personally and all those kinds of things. But I, I like I, I was so excited, right, to be on there to hear. Like, I still think of Ryan Getzlaff taking, you know, taking us on a tour over the chicken coop and all that kind of stuff. And I'm curious if if you've learned if there's something you've learned or something you thought as we go into the third month of the pause, I, I didn't think it would be like that, or I'm glad we did it that way, or I've, I've learned this lesson about about this new reality. Have, have there been those kinds of moments for you? Yeah, Scott, I, I think that that, you know, that was March 24th. Uh, so that was 12 days after the pause. But remember, you know, that was a, a big moment. Um, you know, we, we saw, first of all, the portability of you know, the, the function of what we're doing makes it fun, um, you know, where Getzloff gets up and next thing you know, you're in his backyard where, you know, the Hughes brothers get up and the next thing I, I, I see is they're playing ping pong against each other, you know, where we take, you know, the DeBrusques down to their dark and dingy basement and suddenly they're shooting like bows against you know cans in their basement i mean these are things that you wouldn't normally see and i and i think it you know the players have been so amazing like they they've allowed us into their world and been really cool about it and i think that's what we didn't know going in you know you know will the players be accessible will the players want to do this kind of this kind of content and they they have and you know uh (laughs) I, I joke about this all the time, but we would have taken a year to get Wayne Gretzky and Alexander Ovechkin in the same room to do a one-hour interview, and it was literally a phone call to both parties saying, we want to do this uh, at Thursday at 3 o'clock, and within five minutes, they both said, sure. And suddenly, you've got an interview that you, you would take forever to, to put together, so this new world has has brought us together oddly when we're talking about social distancing so more so much and and I think the possibilities not only during this period of time but for the future remain endless because we can just put people together that we we never were able to put together or didn't think we could in this manner beforehand. Right. I I was just going to get to that Steve that there are some you know, there are some things that you guys will have experienced out of necessity through this that may actually be on the other side of the new normal at some point, right? Do you think? I mean, there are things that you like from, uh, you know, the the, you know, the sort of the tech experiences you've had here. That hey, you know, maybe that's something we'll do even when we're all back to normal one day. Boy, I can't wait for that. By the yeah, way. yeah, but you uh, you mentioned it, Pierre. It's the, it's the new normal. 
you know, what, what, what is that? And we're, we're going to see way more to come. Uh, but like some of the shows that we've done that we've wanted to do that we thought would work during this period of time will absolutely continue once we come back and start playing. Uh, you know, you know, just the access, some of the personalities that we've learned, you know, the Connor Carricks of the world, um, you know, that we didn't know much about, but, you know, now he's on social media a lot and, you know, he's been a go-to person. Um, you know, some of the, some of the, just the, the shows, the way we, we watch, rewatch games with people, you know, whether it's players, alumni, even fans, celebrities rewatching games. I mean, it's fun. It's got a good reaction. Do we continue to do that once we come back? Yeah, I think from the content standpoint, uh, we, we've learned a lot. Uh, I think we've done some really fun and good things. And I absolutely think that this is to, to continue once we come back and and even grow. Um, you know, there's there's many, many, many more ideas that we've got that we love to try out, experiment. We just did a cooking show last week and it was awesome. You know, Nick Benino and a celebrity chef, Chef Ludo. We're going to debut that next week. I mean, the possibilities are endless. We were having some fun. It keeps us busy. And and we find that the fans, the engagement is way up for obviously, you know, non-hockey video uh, during this period of time. The numbers are outstanding. And, you know, we just hope that we can continue that. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're going to shift a little bit. Um, we also are finding that everybody misses hockey so much. And I do think we're going to shift a little bit. And, you know, towards more highlights, more recaps of what's happened so far as we get closer to play. So that's a great, it's a great segue, Steve, because you know so much of what we've been talking about in in the last, you know, call it two weeks. You know, what the return to play committee is dealing with in terms of what a format might look like obviously no fans will be in the buildings can you share some of the you know what fans might expect when we get to that point regardless of what the model looks like but but what the actual moment will look like or sound like or what how you will you know what the experience will be like for the fans can you share some of the things that you're thinking about for that moment when we when we do see hockey back in whether it's in july or august or whenever it is yeah, so we're, you know, we're looking at uh, this new world and uh, I, I think that, you know, it's exciting. Uh, you know, let, let's go back. We're, you know, we're also, we, we have an eye. There's other sports that have started already. And, and you know, we watched uh, German soccer and the UFC and NASCAR and, and you know, and, and a few of the sports that have debuted with no fans. And, it, and it's obvious we're, we're going to start with no fans. Uh, so, you know, how do you make the environment uh, visually exciting? Uh, how do you make what you're listening to um, exciting as well? Uh, and how do you make it feel and look a little different from game to game. I think that's also, you know, one of the challenges. Um, one, one of the things that we respect, and, and I do think one of the things that we've got going for us, um, you know, we're getting really close, and I'm, I'm not giving you any hints here, but we are, <laughs> but we are getting really close to our playoffs, and whether we, you know, start with the the end of our season or we start with the playoffs, you know, what what's happening on the ice 
is going to be pretty pretty important and and I think worthy of you know people's attention no matter what the the arena looks like but I do think and, and you know I'll give you a hint into the way I think I mean look at our outdoor games look at you know our all-star game look at our worship look at the way the environment looks and that'll probably give you a hint as to you know at least how my team and I are thinking as we're approaching what this new world could look like and 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 be like um and and I think that that might be a separator uh between us and other leagues uh we're, we are not challenged by other leagues we're not rushing back uh, based on what others have done, but but there's no question, you know, we're keeping an eye out on, you know, how they have approached things, especially those that have already started, and what's working and, and what's not. So um, it's a work in progress, and, uh, you know, we're not coming back next weekend, so there's a breaking, that breaking news for you guys, breaking news. <laughs> um, but I do think that we are, and there's no question, um, you know, evolving into a, a plan that I, I, you know, I hope our fans will, will like when they see it. And, and, but, but, you know, there's so many different ideas out there. Um, I've read them all. I've heard them all. We've been pitched. Every company in the world seems to be, you know, reaching out and wanting to pitch us on virtual fans and, you know, sound and, you know, cardboard cutouts, as you've seen, <laughs> Um, we're not, we're not going to go like in South Korea where they put actually, you know, blow up dolls into the stadium. I don't think we're going there, uh, but you know, but there's so many different possibilities of what you could do. Hey, what do you guys think? I, you know, I mean, I'm asking around, I'm also curious and and listen throughout the entire experience, whether it's been content, um, or, or in in this, you know, we've got an ear out for what our fans really want and what they're expecting and you know and i think you know we're we're very curious um we have our own ideas but at the same time it's interesting to hear from others well if you change your mind on the blow-up dolls i knew that was I'll, coming uh, yeah. um, well, what a great no, I, I, listen, I'm, not, I'm not <laughs> i'm not trying to trick you into confirming anything but but you know, every team I talk to, players I've talked to, everyone's expecting twenty-four teams to return. And let's so let's say it is that. It may not be, but let's say it is. I think there's a lot of confusion out there about the idea of expand, expanding the actual playoff grid, as uh, as opposed to the way I look at it. You tell me if I'm wrong. Whatever the number is, okay. When the committee has a deal, the return to play committee. It, it it still would be X number of teams trying to get to 16, right? Or is that just semantics in your mind, Steve? Uh, Pierre, I, w- I will just say this. Um, I went to sleep Friday. I woke up Saturday. It was it was different. I, I mean, I, I, I listen, I think and I read what you guys write. I op- obviously know a little more uh, from being inside. Um, you know, it, it's an it's an ever evolving plan, and it's changing all the time, all the time. I, I think that the talks are fantastic between the NHLPA, the players, and Gary and Bill, who are who are primarily in those discussions. But there, you know, it's it's ever changing, it's ever ongoing, and we, as an events team, 
we on that side just have to be very open and ready to to be nimble and and that's what we're planning on and whether it's four venues two venues has been widely reported uh you know for us we're you know we're ready and when we get the call as to what it is you know we we're gonna we're gonna move and and we know it could you know listen this could be two months from now three months from now it could be six weeks from now we're, we're ready i mean we've had so much planning uh we feel confident the most important by far um aspect of all of this is putting our 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 teams our players our staff everyone in the safest safest environment where they feel unbelievably comfortable that once they enter they will be taken care of and that everybody around them is also safe and that that's our biggest issue um and I, when i say issue that's that's our our number one number one and it will lead to where we're going to go it will lead to how we're going to set up um once we get to a certain site all of that will just you know um be because of you know safety first uh the rest of it obviously will you know whether whether we're going to deal with 24 teams and and a playoff that gets to 16 whatever it is um my my job our job is to make sure that we can execute that tournament um uh, and, and make it flawless and you know have fans enjoy what we're going to put out on a daily basis and and it could be you know three games a day six games a day it'll it'll really determine a lot we'll have to do as you guys know with tv and their interests um but yeah we're we're, we're planning logistically we we've got you know we got our act together we're really confident um that we could put together this tournament whatever it happens to be steve you you mentioned the, the 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 centers or the the cities that where this could end up happening, and whether it's four or two. I, I, certainly, uh, Gary, I think mentioned not long ago, it could be two centers with twelve teams each mm-hmm. as a as a potential model. Can you describe, and especially vis a vis, making sure that 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 sort of bedrock of safety and comfort is there because this is part of your gig as well, if I understand it. But maybe can you explain some of what goes into because there are lots of NHL cities that would love to have the NHL come to town for this event, but what kinds of things are you looking at? What kinds of factors go into saying, yeah, this is, this could work. This could work here. Maybe it wouldn't work as well here. Um, can you describe some of those factors? And, and as you, as you go through the vetting process of, of where this might actually take place? Yeah. So, so Scott, uh, we, we started the process. It was actually interesting. Um, with a few teams, which which for one reason or another grew to many teams, and, and now we're back down to what I would consider a workable group. Um, you know, we're not narrowing it down until we have to, and for so many reasons. And and you know, listen, our criteria ha- has been fairly simple, and you know, I, I I I think you know to boil it down. You know, we wanted to go to one NHL location 
Um, I know that North Dakota and Notre Dame and New Hampshire and all we read all of the the teams or the cities or arenas that were interested in us. But you know, in the end of the day, we need to be in an NHL arena uh, for for so many reasons: infrastructure, IT, space, um, TV positions, lighting. You know, game presentation, which will be a, a part of moving forward. It's all in place. So, you know, that was, you know, a criteria right from the very beginning. So, you know, it will be an NHL city uh, that will host whether we're in two cities or four cities. Um, so we needed also uh, uh, an arena that can handle four to six teams, uh, locker rooms. So not every arena can do that. And, and so... There, you know, along the way, we had to eliminate certain cities based on that. Um, we had to look at practice facilities. Um, you know, at one time, uh, you know, we were talking about eight teams, 12 teams. We're talking potential training camps. Like, so each of these cities have to have a respectable amount of sheets of ice that could handle a training camp or, or certainly a practice for a team. And, you know, that was a, you know, an, a requirement of a city. And as you know, most cities actually have that. Uh, but obviously there's some cities that have more sheets of ice than others. Uh, the hotel environment is, is super important. Um, you know, eight teams is different than 12 teams. So, that will, you know, if we decide to do 12 teams, that would eliminate certain cities just based on creating this hub. Uh, and when I say hub, a bubble, a protected area where all the personnel um, can be, uh, you know, and I don't want to use the word lockdown, but in a very controlled environment and, and kept safe. So a hotel, you know, that that could handle multiple teams or two hotels that were in a, a distinct area um, is another obvious requirement. And then, you know, the COVID numbers are important. Testing accessibility is important. Local government support is important. All those factors, are, you know, and, and God bless my team at the, the league led by Dean Matsuzaki. I mean, they are on hundreds of phone calls our medical team at the NHL, incredible. Um, they've been on so many phone calls, talking to every team personnel. There, there's a lot of work that's gone into this. It will continue to go into this. Uh, but that's really your criteria, a very long-winded answer. Oh, that's great. But that's, that's how this decision needs to be made. And we've presented to Gary Bettman and Bill Daly um, a very detailed – you know, list of city by city. And, you know, again, the, there are many cities that are still in the talks and in the running for this. And we're going to keep a lookout as to where we can go that will be the safest and best place for us to come back and play hockey. Right. And before we let you go, Steve, thanks again for, for being on with us this week. I think our listeners are going to love all this. And, um, you know, I'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about the draft, even though, again, you're a little handcuffed, but uh, it, it certainly created 
quite a splash uh, when uh, you know it came out that the league was considering the idea of a June draft before the resumption of a season. There hasn't been any uh, announcement on that either way. And certainly the sense I get is part of that is wanting to figure out return to play and then figure out where the draft fits into that. But does that put your team in a position where you got to be ready either way, either for a pre or a post draft <laughs> at this point? Uh, yeah, yeah, Pierre. I mean, I, listen, I think absolutely the return of play is tied to the draft. Um, and we are, again, when I talk about the return to play hubs and being prepared, we're also, you know, prepared for what could be a draft beforehand. Um, we have, and I'm, uh, we have no indication. I mean, Gary is going to make that decision, and I and I do think it is going to be tied to you know when and where we come back for a return of play. Uh, I, I do think, obviously, if we're going to do this beforehand, it will be a virtual draft, uh, and we have reached out to you know to our friends at the NFL, to our friends at ESPN. Um, we we worked. Um, and, and have a, a pretty good knowledge of what they did on the NFL draft. And, um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about it with our events team. And so we are prepared. Have we put anything in motion? No. Um, and, you know, we're, we're sitting like you are waiting for, you know, everything to sort of happen. And I do think once it does, you know, we're going to be moving in a few directions as we prepare you know, potentially for multiple events, including the return to play. But, um, yeah, I, I don't really have a feel, very good feel um, as to whether or not we'll do it beforehand or after. Uh, but I, I would say, you know, it is all tied to, you know, the announcement of our return. Steve, if I can just follow up before we we do let you go, that's it. See, Pierre and I do this all the time. Yeah, we pretend yeah. we were going to let you go, but we just keep going. But <laughs> I have a feeling that then, if you really wanted to, you would you would keep me for the rest of the day. Well, that'd be great. You don't, yeah, I, I will tell you that you don't get paid by the minute here if you're on two man advantage. That's uh, <laughs> okay. it's it's just a flat rate. So. Uh, but it just I I was curious. The whole drafting has been fascinating, and especially given all of the attention and uh, and from I, I think a lot of corners the success of the uh, NFL virtual draft. Uh, were there sort of lessons or thoughts that when you when talking to people at ESPN and the NFL and coming away from that? Were are there things that you can share to say? You know this. I think this. You know these would be important factors or issues whenever we do our NHL virtual draft, are there things that you've come away with that you sort of put in your hip pocket, given those experiences? Well, first, uh, I, I thought they did a great job. And uh, the this is not an easy time. You know, I, I casually say we're doing all this content. I casually talk about, you know, how we set everybody up. And, you know, to do what we're all doing in this period of time, it, it's not easy. It's not easy. And what they did was incredible for them to connect all of those draft picks, all of those team personnel, their announcers, the commissioner, all into one, what I thought was a seamless program. Um, I, listen, did we take away a few things from their draft? Yeah, sure. Um, 
I, I think, and I've heard it from fans. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, I, we, we wanted to hear from more people. Um, and, you know, you, you, they didn't have a lot of interviews. They, they just went from pick to pick. Um, and so maybe, you know, as we do our draft, that would be something we might be a little more interested in. Um, you know, but I think one of the things that we have talked about, which is interesting for us, is um, how many of our picks are, are not in North America, you know, right. and, and right. from a time difference, you know, we're, we're going to be picking a guy who, you know, it might be two in the morning in Europe. And I think that'll be interesting. It could could add a little fun to the whole draft, but that is something that we need to consider. Uh, and, and I also think, listen, they they did an incredible job of sending kits to all the draft picks. And, you know, how many of the picks do we do that for? Uh, those are things that we'll consider. And what, should, what did you guys think? Yeah, I thought it was – I thought it was – you know, tremendous. And, uh, you know, I watched every single second of it. Of course, I'm a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan, Steve. So I, uh, you know, our, uh, the team I love, I think had the best draft. I'm just, I like to say that every time, but, uh, yeah, but the giants will still beat you. Ah, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Uh, not the last couple of years, buddy. Um, but you know, I, I mean, obviously, you know, if the draft ends up being after the season, then it, you, you guys would have more options, I guess. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, it's hard to predict what the world will look like uh, come the fall. But but I guess that's the other dynamic in all this is is whether you end up having time on your side, right? Yeah, listen, uh, that is the great unknown. And you talk about the new normal. Uh, I, I wish I could predict it. And I think that's another area that we, we're going to need to be flexible with. You know, as the world changes, as it continues to open up, you know, what does that mean to our world? And and we've got to be ready, you know, to move quickly and adapt if fans are allowed in. You know, I, I, I think we would welcome it. But it, again, it needs to be safe. It needs to, right. you know, we need to be so comfortable with that. And, you know, we're just not going to do it for the sake of doing it. Just like we're not going to rush back for the sake of rushing back. I think that's that's been Gary's message from day one. It is so true. We're not here to beat another league. We are not here to, to do anything more than come back when the time is right, when we're comfortable with that decision. And so I, I can't tell you whether that's going to be you know, in a month or two months, but you know, you know, when we decide to do it, you know that a lot of thought has gone behind that decision, and we feel, for every right reason, that it's the right decision. Cool. Listen, Steve, this has been tremendous, and you're right. We could go all day, but that, I don't think that would be fair to you, and frankly, it wouldn't be fair to the league because you obviously have work to do. But um, thank you for hanging out with us, Steve Mayer. Chief Content Officer of the NHL. That was uh, honestly thanks for doing that, and and I wish you luck. You've got a lot on your plate, and uh, and the best of luck in in making this all come together in the way that it should. Yeah, listen, we have a lot of on a, a, you know a, a lot of material that we've got to sort through and get through. Uh, you know, 
we're ready uh, and we've accepted the challenge. And again, thanks for your interest. Uh, you know, one of our jobs is to keep the fans engaged. That's your job as well. You guys do an amazing job of it. You know, our, our, I feel like our fans just are are yearning for the game to come back. And, and we thank you guys for all you do to keep the fans up to the minute with everything that's going on in the NHL world. All right, my friend, uh, lots to unpack, uh, thanks to Steve and his terrific insight, but uh, we do have to take a break. So don't go away. We'll be right back. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities, basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So, if you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com advantage for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com advantage for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Pierre, I, I like to give you credit. You you uh, you helped line Steve up for uh, today's uh, podcast and yeoman work by you. And uh, what what what's your what's your takeaway from that, man? That uh, first of all, uh, I ask you a question, then I'm going to give my own answer. Steve has a lot on his plate, right? Like he's not sitting around with his feet up in New Jersey, <laughs> waiting for this to run its course, right? Like I mean, this is man. That's a there are so many moving parts to all that. You know, you know, whether it's a draft and the return to play and the city hubs, all those kinds of things. What's your, what's your takeaway from that? Yeah, and he's going to be even busier in the weeks ahead here. That's, uh, you know, he's he, he's in, he's at the heart of everything that's that we're going to see as yeah. far as the way the league is going to attempt to, to resume their season. Uh, you know, there are things we didn't even get to. I mean, obviously there's not going to be an award show in Vegas this year, um, which would have been you know, part of his, uh, his domain as well, but it'll be interesting to see what his team decides to do with that. I, I suspect, as I wrote a couple of weeks ago, you know, they'll, they'll use a digital platform to dole out the player awards one by one and make a big splash. Right. Yeah. Uh, since there's no award show and and that can be done sort of in the sort of the quiet period that we're going to have between an announcement of return to play. And when the actual return to play happens, it's still going to be a time period there. So the awards, I think will probably, Get splashed in there, and that'll be under his uh, his guidance. Yeah, it's it's gonna be so interesting to see how, how this all plays out. And you know, he's he's got to sit back right now and wait till the return to play committee puts the finishing touches on on whatever return to play looks like. And I think I do think from uh, you know making a few more calls yesterday, Scott, that I think the committee is probably closer to what a format will look like than it is on all the other issues that are just as important, right? Uh, you know, the, the hub cities, the protocol, 
the testing, uh, work visas for players switching countries and return to play, all those things are still being hashed out and are going to need to be hashed out. But I think, you know, as I reported over the weekend, certainly been progress on the two sides in the committee from the PA and the league beginning to see a pretty good path on what return to play looks like. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it all works out. Yeah. What, so what do you like? Do you, and now my sense is, and I, I think it does seem like we're trending more towards 24 teams. What do you do? I mean, what's your, what's your, put on, put on your return to play committee hat. What do you, mm-hmm. what do you, what's fair? Because that's, that really is so much at the heart of this. I mean, listen, the safety, as Steve said, and you and I have been talking about this since literally since the pause, began listen you know none none of this happens if you can't do it safely and if you can't do it where you're not putting a drain on local medical resources that's a given right so let's assume we can find that 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 place that place in that line in the sand or whatever it is what what do you like what if you were what what's your favorite uh, or your your idea of of a way to proceed with the with the actual play of hockey well i mean listen this goes back to you know, a conversation I had with James Van Riesdijk a couple of weeks ago. He's on the return to play committee, and he and he said it right. When no matter what format they come up with, they're not going to please everyone. And I think you have to start with that point because the criticism already has been levied pretty strongly in some quarters about twenty four teams resuming the season. And and I get it. I mean, I I think when you look at the fact that Montreal and Chicago were both sellers at the trade deadline. It speaks to the fact they thought their seasons were over. I mean, let's be fair. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, the Habs sold Kovalchuk. They, um, you know, they they sold uh, Nate Thompson. Uh, you know, yeah. Mark, Mark Robin Leonard goes to, to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, Robin Leonard, a huge trade. I mean, if, if the Blackhawks thought they could, they'd be back and with their hopes alive. Do you think they're trading Robin Leonard when him and Corey Crawford gives you an unbelievable one-two punch? Um, so, you know, and I talked to GM about that yesterday, um, who obviously, you know, wanted chatted only on background with me, but he says that's when he talks to other managers, that's part of their concern with the 24 teams is sort of the integrity part of, you know, don't we need to come back with just the teams that we're still in the race? And I probably agree with that. I mean, I think 20 teams, which is another format that's been discussed would be, uh, more emblematic of 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 the race, right? Right. And all those teams would be in the wild card race. But this is where, you know, when you're talking about return to play, you've got hockey, you've got business, you've got marketing. Yep. Uh, you've got a lot of different things. Uh, and on the business and marketing side, having the most markets and their fans back into it is is very appealing from a financial point of view. You, you have a brand that's been quiet for four months, or it'll be four months by the time they're back, yeah. four or five for months. Sure. And so I get that. I get that having 24 teams instead of 20 is a better way to say, hey, we're back. I mean, already you're cu- you're cutting out seven teams, right? So, and, I, and I, you know what? I'm sensitive to that part too. I get that. You can't ignore that. You can't say, well, who cares about that? What are you talking about? This is a, This is a brand that's... That's taken on big financial pain here, just like every other pro sports league. So you have to look at both sides. And, and, and I think just at the end of the day, accept that there, there's hockey reasons and there's business reasons. 
Right. I, I'm with you. And I I'm, I have zero issue with, you know, you want to have and, – and it doesn't hurt that 24 teams allows the New York Rangers, Montreal Canadiens, and Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> oh, They're in that net, right? Those are yeah. – that's yeah, a real thing. So, uh, you know, and he, I, I got to tell you <laughs> – I, to me, that's why it's important to have a system that allows teams to play some games, and then before you go into you know, and you know, semantics being what it is, whether it's you want to call it the playoffs or you just call it a play-in to get to sixteen right. teams, I don't care, right? If you're well, eliminating it's probably, teams, it's probably going to be important that they brand that differently, Scotty, if for no other reason. I assume, like, let's say the draft is held until after the season the 16 playoff teams will be the traditional right dotted line right on in terms of separating the lottery teams from the playoff teams don't you agree i mean that's probably why it's it you know again you're right i mean if you're not coming back with 31 teams i guess by definition you're coming back with an expanded playoff but technically they're going to probably want to brand it as it's still only 16 teams in the actual playoffs but we'll have a play-in, from my understanding, is a play-in with some teams to get there, right? Yeah, um, yeah no, and that's and to me, I think it's important to you have to account for what happened in the regular season with three quarters done. So you have to account for that. You have to have teams play some games because in, I'm, I think JVR mentioned it to you, and players are, I think, are it's unanimous that they there has to be a build up before you start playing elimination games of any kind. So let's call it a round robin. Yeah. Training and camp then, will be important too, for sure. Yeah. Training camp. You got to play some games. I don't think you can call them exhibition games. So you got to have games, you know, this is the challenge, right? Having games that straddle that line between where you're eliminating teams right away, which isn't fair or, but also not having, you know, exhibition games, which have no impact. So to me, it's like, well, how do you, you know, it's a point percentage thing or like, it's a math thing, which is, off my that's way up beyond my grid but let's say you figure it out and then your top two teams in each of four groups they get the the buy after playing some games and then this goes to the heart of what i think you're saying is once you get to that best of three you're going to have good teams and let's say for instance it's it could be toronto montreal right depending on the model um you know and and you're going to have teams that were locked right into a playoff spot uh, Pittsburgh is another one possible, you know, team that was right locked into it. Those teams are going to have to play a best two out of three, and there will be some, there will be upsets, right? Because it's hockey, and it's you know, it's two out of three. Yeah, and, and, and so it's, it's funny you mentioned best yeah. of three. I think, and again, no one's confirming this, but I mm-hmm. heard from someone over the last couple of days that that has now been switched to a best of five. Right, for that and, very reason. And, and for the reason is, and I think it's from the player's side that you can't you can't have luck involved here, where you have a team that's 15 points behind another be able to luck out two, you know. Yeah. Two. So so there so that conversation has been going back and forth. Uh, you know, as I reported Tuesday, the return to play committee has had a recurring dialogue every day since Saturday, since last Saturday. So they're going back and forth, and you heard Steve himself without giving us any details of course but he said he went to bed one night woke up the next and a lot <laughs> yes, of things so i think what's happening is the formula to get the team from 24 to 16 i think has has had a lot of different looks over the past week in that on that committee because they're trying to get to a way that's fair right and and you can't and also you can't have you don't want it to take um 
a month, right? Like you, you to get to like you have there has to be again, I'm sure this is part of the balance too, right? Even though you're not traveling because the teams are all in one place, you know, you, 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 if you go from best of three to best of five, that's, you know, you add an extra three or four days, maybe it doesn't mean anything. What, so what do you tell me? You, best of three or best of five to get to 16? What do you like? I think best of five is, is more fair. Like at the end of the day, if, 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 if you know, the Montreal Canadiens, let's say, have, do face the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is one of the models that's out there, may not necessarily be the one that, that is there at the end, but let's just take that one. You know, they're 15 points behind the Penguins. If if they win three out of five, then you can't really say, you know, it is what it is. Like, you, you know, five games is a chance to demonstrate your, um, you know, the fact that you should be the better team. And listen, <laughs> we had a 62-win team losing the first round last year. So, know. <laughs> you know, part of the acceptance here is that once you decide to bring back 24 teams instead of 16, you're accepting that everyone has a chance. That's just life. I mean, that, the parity of the National Hockey League in, in, in this day and age is through the roof, like more than any other sport. So, you know, even though the Hawks and the Canadians, by their actions at the trade deadline, had turned the page on their season, uh, they'll have a shot. That's just the reality of it. Uh, we talked a little urgency, like it obviously as you've been reporting and, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're working hard at this. Do you, there's no urgency cause you don't, you're not trying to get ahead of some other leagues, as Steve pointed out, and you're not trying to make, you know, wedge it in before some sort of artificial deadline, all those kinds of things. But it, it would be important, I think, for the league to to be able to say to the players, to management, to, of course, the fans, here's what we would like to do, even though all of the details may not be in terms of where and, you know, testing, that stuff may not be, you can't say for sure right now, but you could tell the format when you know it. Is What's your sense on how important that goal is to be able to come out and say, yeah, here's, here's what it's going to look like? Yeah, I mean... I mean, the league will tell you that there is no timetable, but I mean, because if, if, you know, Gary Bettman has come out a couple of times now and said they're ready to delay next season until December. So presumably that means you can play into October for 1920. Right. Having said that, let's be honest, you know, NBC is your number, you know, is your US TV partner. They no longer have the Summer Olympics in that July, August window. There's, I think that that's where the pressure is, is, is if at all possible to bring back the games to, to satisfy that window. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's what, you know, in talking to someone close to the process, that's, you know, that's certainly, so if you're talking mid to late July and into mid September as your sort of two month window, I think that's still on the table. But if that's the case, if that's at all doable, then there is a bit of time pressure because uh, to, to figure out this format over the next week or two because you have to tell players that are in Europe and players that have to you know, you know go from Canada or the U.S. or the U.S. to Canada and the border situation and everything that here's the plan and you got to be quarantined when you get here and uh, you know here's what camp's going to be like. There is still an important lead up before you get to play games. So I, from that perspective. If, if you are looking at that Summer Olympic TV window, 
I don't know that you can go much past mid-June without having all this figured out, in my mind. Agreed. And you yeah. know, as I tweeted uh, Tuesday, my sense from someone close to the committee is that they were hoping not to have the entire package figured out, because I think there's still too much work involved, but at least some elements of it, including the format, figured out within the next 7 to 10 days, and I think they have to. No, I'm with you. I'm, before we let you go, this has been it's been great. It's always great to catch up. Yeah, I was thinking about you and and how you know. Listen, I don't have to say this. People may disagree, but uh, your yeoman work on this puts me in mind of of the work you always did during lockouts, right? I mean, you just you 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 go down the rabbit hole with something like this, and this becomes your life every day, trying to you know trying to stay on top of it. And I want does it feel that way to you? Like do you do you feel like you did during the 0405 lockout or during the twelve thirteen lockout where this sort of consumes you? Because it's sort of like, like this is these are important things, and they they're going to determine the future of the game as, as we move forward. Do, does it feel like that to you? Uh well, uh, first of all, very kind of you to say. I'm not so sure. I'm just trying to do my job like everyone else. But um, I guess I would say if there's a parallel is that some of my sources are starting to get tired of me just like during a lockout. (laughs) (laughs) I wondered that, actually. I tend to pester. I'm a pestering sort. Um, Yeah, I I mean, listen, it it is what it is. It's. uh, I feel just like everyone else covering this story right now throughout our industry. You know, you, I feel an obligation and, uh, and a, a real desire to keep fans as updated as possible because a lot of fans can't wait for hockey to come back. Now, not all fans. We've talked about that. A lot of fans are just cancel the rest of the season and focus on next year. And I respect that too. But there are a lot of fans who just can't wait to know about the format, about when the draft will be held. And I get a lot of tweets and reader comments to The Athletic from them and so I, I know it sounds corny, but I really am motivated by that, by by keeping hockey fans informed. Good. Well, I didn't get paid to say that. Well, I guess I did sort of, but no, it's true. <laughs> Good work on you. All right, my friend. So it's that time. Uh, of course, you should always listen to Two Man Advantage. Uh, we hope you do, and we hope you enjoy it. But the, also this week, Jared Spurgeon of the Minnesota Wild is Mike Russo's guest on Straight from the Source this week at The Athletic. And Hall of Famer Ray Bork joins the Perfection Pod with Joey McDonald and Fluto Shinzawa this week at The Athletic, our guys in Boston. Uh, I love that name of the that Perfection Pod. I like that. It's it's not as good as Two Man Advantage, but it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's, it's a really high standard to set for yourself, though, as a podcast, right? I mean, there's well, not a lot of leeway there. Doesn't it come from the perfection line? Yes, I know. I'm just kidding, buddy. I know. Hey, it took me, you know how long it took me to figure out what that blues podcast meant? Wow. Still don't even quite get it. But uh, And also, you should uh, check out our comment section for each podcast at the Athletic app uh, for Two Man Advantage. Uh, and don't forget to rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. And if you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash two-man advantage you'll get 40 percent off your subscription buddy let's do it again next week i'm already looking forward to next uh, next wednesday so stay safe stay healthy and then we'll uh, we'll hang out again yeah hopefully a little more clarity by then my friend right on right on 